1: The following program is presented by the Nerdy Show Podcast Network. Geeky programming for all nerds across the multiverse. All Nerdy Show programming is made possible by A Comic Shop, Orlando's number one comic shop and nerd destination. Nerdapalooza, the world's largest nerd music festival, and with the generous support of listeners like you. For more Nerdy Show podcasts, community forums, and learn how you can support this and other fine Nerdy Show programming, visit nerdyshow.com. Hello,
2: my name is Julian Glover. I'm an English actor, as you can hear, and I'm appearing
3: on the Nerdy Show, which I hope you're enjoying.
1: Welcome to Nerdy Show, a weekly podcast dedicated to every facet of nerddom, from comics and video games to science and technology. If it's geeky, we've got it covered. And this episode is an episode of State of the Empire, where we look for Star Wars news in Alderaan places. Hi, I'm Cap. Hey, I'm Doug. Hi, I'm Matt.
0: Hey, I'm Nina.
1: And Nina is someone from Ghostbusters Resurrection, who if you're listening to the show, you may know... But you don't exactly know her voice yet.
4: She's or the b- fact that she's a real person. I, that, <laughs> my,
1: that, that also might be...
0: Real. <laughs> <laughs> I'm actually real.
1: Doug, you've been portraying Nina yeah. uh, for a while. I guess that's weird. Yeah, no, I know. I, I never <laughs> thought about it. Because because
4: uh, everybody on the show, every, every, every Ghostbuster and myself are real people playing our real selves. And Nina is my girlfriend who's playing the receptionist. She's a real person, but we never established it on the show. So as far as anyone knows... Oh, the receptionist Nina. No, she's real too, and hopefully other characters are gonna be real too. I don't know, we'll have to see. But yeah, <laughs> and she's
1: gonna be on the show yeah. as as herself. Yeah, soon, she right? does yeah. she
4: in season two, after a certain point, after a certain episode, Nina is played by Nina, play, by her real self, so Look forward to that. It's pretty cool.
0: And my character is definitely going to be quite a bit more active in terms of helping the oh, guys out. Guys, the phone call came in. You got to go check it out.
4: Oh. <laughs> okay, thanks, Nina. Just watch the dog.
0: Okay. I'm a bit more active than that.
1: Yeah. So we got some good news for State of the Empire. According to Screen Slam's interview with Lucasfilm president Kathleen Kennedy, they're not going to make any attempts to be overly secretive when developing the new Star Wars movies. So that's good for us. Yeah. That's
4: good. <laughs> I mean, well, I, I still want to personally try to avoid as many spoilers as possible. I guess that's why it's bad for me to be on a Star Wars speculation podcast. <laughs> yep. If it's <we're> <laughs> like, oh, um, no spoilers, guys. I'm going to leave the room and we're going to talk about something that was actually just filmed recently since they're not keeping it secret anymore. <laughs> I don't know. Do you think that means that they're just going to release it in controlled spurts? Like, are they just going to be like, all right, well, let's wait a couple months, then release some official photos?
1: Sort of like how they did with Indiana Jones. Maybe so. Um, Indy did have a fair amount of shots and so on going on behind the scenes. And if you wanted to get a picture by putting them all together, you could. I think it's at least more of sort of um, an acceptance that these things will happen. And because it's Star Wars, they're going to spend more time and money trying to defend it than they would be successful at Mm -hmm. all. Mm -hmm. So I think it's more just sort of an acceptance. Her official quote is, uh, I think the whole issue of confidentiality is going to be fascinating as we move into making the movie. If we're shooting anything outside, it's almost impossible to not have things end up on the internet. So my feeling is you need to embrace that, especially with fans around something like Star Wars. You need to recognize that they're important to the process and acknowledge that there are things that are just going to want to make sure they get to know. So I think And that,
5: make sure that they get up onto the store shelves as quickly as possible. <laughs>
4: Uh, the thing I'll take away from that is that she made a slight reference to shooting outside, which is awesome.
0: Yes. <laughs> 14, yeah.
1: I, I believe that the the consensus on how this is going to go is that it's going to blend CGI and practical effects in ways <laughs> far beyond what was happening in the Star Wars prequels. Mm-hmm. Something worth mentioning is that the week that this episode comes out, um, Star Trek will be coming out in theaters this Friday, May 16th. Early
4: uh, buzz is good, so, yeah. you
1: know, don't want to say too many good things about it because this is Star Wars, not, uh... <laughs> right, no. but JJ, <laughs> <but laughs> directed <laughs>
0: by J.J. <laughs> directed <laughs> by, directed by by Abrams. By Abrams. Yeah.
1: I'm not sure if we mentioned this, but Episode 7 is a 2015 date now. Mm-hmm. I, I don't know if we actually said it on the show or not, but it's been pushed from speculative 2014 to 2015 when jj abrams came on board and what that means is well we've known for a while that they said there was going to be a star wars film every year but that little news blurb has been getting kind of a second life Mm -hmm. in recent weeks because of the change date and sort of a confirmation of the pattern officially episode seven will come out summer 2015 Episode 8 will come out 2017, but in 2016 and 2018, there will be Star Wars spinoff films that come out. And of course, one of those spinoffs will be written by Lawrence Kasdan, who wrote The Empire Strikes Back in Jedi. Kathleen Kennedy actually confirmed that they will be
4: shooting Episode 7 in the UK. Pretty cool. That in itself is cool, but when I read her actual quote, there's a little nugget of something in there that actually is kind of reassuring, which is... um, We've devoted serious time and attention to revisiting the origins of Star Wars as inspiration for our process on the new movie. And then she goes on to say, I'm thrilled that returning to the UK for production and utilizing the incredible talent can be a part of that. Blah, blah, blah. We're in the UK. It's really nice. But the fact that she said that they're devoting, quote, serious time and attention to the original Trilogy as inspiration seems like a very diplomatic way of saying, "Hey, don't worry, you know, we're we know mistakes were made. We're not pointing fingers, yeah, but we're
0: not messing things up this time. Yeah. At least we're trying not. We're to. taking
1: it seriously.
0: Yeah, please come and see it.
1: Like, <laughs> well, I I hope that in 2015, I can I can write her a formal letter stating apology accepted. <laughs> <laughs> apology accepted. <laughs> the sins of George Lucas are washed away. Other star wars episode seven related news jj abrams said it's likely that john williams will be coming back to score the new films oh yeah there's a quote from him it says for star wars it's very early days to know but i believe that going forward john williams will be doing that because apparently he was there long before i was very long because he's 81 years old yeah and uh let's just hope
4: fingers crossed uh that it gets done i'm not gonna say why but just you can imagine i just hope that it gets done
1: yeah
5: it's such a, I would have liked to hear what Michael Giacchino could have you know, done with Abrams on a Star Wars movie, but I'm not going to complain that John Williams is back.
1: Yeah, yeah. Giacchino is the fellow who um, Abrams works with all the time, right? Mm-hmm. Mm-hmm. Yeah. yeah.
4: If John Williams doesn't return for future ones, I would be also very interested in what Michael Giacchino does because Michael Giacchino, my first exposure to G- Michael Giacchino was when he did the soundtrack for the video game for The Lost World, Jurassic Park, right. which the movie had John Williams' soundtrack, so he had this weird blend of John Williams-y sounding music for the video
1: game. Interesting.
4: So maybe, you know, they kind of had, there's like this weird back and forth history, I don't know, it's, uh, it, I think it'd be interesting I'm to see. I'm just gonna
1: say, it's a good idea, given John Williams' age- did Michael Giacchino be sort of in a, you know, a, a second unit conductor or, the understudy. or orchestrator or yeah, yeah. whatever the correct terminology there is, but basically his, his right-hand guy in this project because, mm-hmm. holy crap, if anything happens to him, it's all over. <laughs> <laughs> Who's going to pick up that work? Uh-huh. Michael Arndt, the screenwriter for episode seven, one of the things that was mentioned about him, one of the things we mentioned on the show in prior episodes, is that he wrote oblivion mm-hmm. uh, the tom cruise movie that just came out what i found out was that was what everybody was saying on all the press releases when they were talking about are writing star wars he did the final draft of oblivion oh in in previous episodes we were saying well we better check out oblivion because it's going to make or break whether or not you know michael are doing a sci-fi right. script you know it'll be a real good indicator of what we can expect from episode seven and then i saw oblivion and while well, it was a very pretty movie mm-hmm. I didn't feel very good about the idea that uh this was the sci-fi film from the guy who wrote Little Miss Sunshine. Yeah, um and so this is a, a sort of a loaded statement if you care about Oblivion just jog forward a couple seconds. <laughs> it, it's it's Moon. It's the plot to Duncan Jones's Moon but on a bigger scale. Really? Yeah, and it's very obvious early on. It took what was a brilliant sci-fi story and just regurgitated it in this more Hollywood friendly way. And what kind of bugs me about it is that the film was written and directed by Joseph Kaczynski, was the director of Tron Legacy. This is the first film that he's written and directed. So he's not a guy who's known for his writing exactly. And certainly the script on Tron Legacy had much to be desired. Yeah.
4: So when they're billing it as a Michael Arndt script, what it really is is Joe did it. Mm-hmm. Joe wrote it and then Michael
1: Arndt was like, Hey man, you know, let's you know Not even. Oh. So sort
0: does of the proofreading, basically?
1: It's it's one of those classic convoluted it's a blockbuster, so the studio has to make sure that everybody touches it mm-hmm. until it's boiled down to whatever crap version, you know, well, well, is like, it's theaters. Like, in our case, one of the main reasons we wanted to see it was because of Michael Arnt, just right. by attaching his name to it.
5: Yeah, I, and that that's definitely not in, in the case of Oblivion. That's not the movie that you'd want to uh <laughs> Yeah. You know attached to Michael Arndtness too
1: mm-hmm. uh, absolutely. um so Kaczynski uh, wrote the script with uh, William Monahan, and then that script was rewritten by Carl Gadusik. I don't know if I said that right <laughs> um, and then and then finally, when the film passed on into Universal's hands, they had Michael Arndt do the final rewrite,
4: which could mean either not a lot at all or a little bit like it really it really doesn't mean like a whole rewrite so there really wasn't if it went through that many people first he probably didn't have a lot to do with any of it It was more of like hey can you just punch up the dialogue yeah clever
5: you know and quite frankly there just wasn't enough dialogue in the movie to even evaluate to be quite honest Mm. it's not really a dialogue driven movie that much in similar fashion to moon like there's just not enough dialogue to fill up a massive script it's Mm -hmm. just kind of it's there, and it's, it's okay.
1: It was a very pretty film, but if you're going to see it, you absolutely have to watch Moon first, because that is a great science fiction film, and Oblivion is an extremely pretty science fiction film. Hmm. The similarities there are, are rather shameless. Anyhow, what this made me think about is when I was watching the film, I was thinking that Star Wars is about characters, and that's why the prequels were such a letdown, because the acting and characters were one of the weakest aspects of the whole mm-hmm. thing. There was nothing for them to do there. It wasn't alive. Whereas oblivion is not a good example of michael arndt doing sci-fi really it made me realize that all i really needed to judge the quality of the star wars episode 7 script was to look at little miss sunshine or toy story 3 especially especially Mm -hmm. toy story 3 because it was someone else's world that he was playing in and looking at that i know that if the script that he wants to write for star wars 7 is what gets made it will be a fantastic script
0: not to mention Toy Story 3 also being somewhat of a, you know, similarity to Star Wars, also being a large, you know, family franchise and being very owned by Disney, you know, owned by Disney. <laughs> um, much larger of a film, obviously, than Little Miss Sunshine. And, um, you know, in that way, much closer to uh, Star Wars.
4: A few months ago, I uh, was just trying to look up more information on Michael Arndt and found a video of him doing a book signing for when they published the script for Little Miss Sunshine in paperback. He did like a very small book tour and someone just did a video of like he did like A Q&A session and like a little thing before he signed a couple copies of the book in, in one of these bookstores and uh they asked him just questions about what's it like being a screenwriter how do you do it you know blah 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 what was it like getting the movie made and he told a lot of good funny stories but uh one thing that caught my attention even though it really doesn't mean anything was uh when they were talking about you know how did you break into the hollywood system like you you know you just wrote this script and how did it finally get through it? How did it reach the right person and then to get made? He was like, well, you know, you write the script and you do all this and you try and give it to as many people as possible and just, you gotta have faith in it. But then when he realized that he wasn't really making that much sense, he used an analogy of when you write a script and you're trying to get it sold, you feel like Luke Skywalker flying his X Wing into the Death Star. <laughs> and he uses the Star Wars like yes. uh, uh, metaphor that. Just, I mean, because the the video itself was taken in like the same year that Little Miss Sunshine came out. So this is going back a ways. He had nothing to do with Star Wars whatsoever.
6: (laughs) But you can see a little
4: twinkle in his eye just that he he is indeed a fan. That it's not just like that he was randomly picked. It's like, oh, man, this is the guy I would want because he he definitely felt like a real fan. And and also someone when you hear him talk about scripts in general in that same video, someone who knows what he's talking about.
0: It's a great comparison, especially, I mean, if you think about the epic effort that took to get Little Miss Sunshine actually made in the first place.
1: I'm actually looking to Arnt more than I'm looking to Abrams at this point for episode seven being of quality because something that's kind of sat funny with me is I love the first Star Trek film, but I've been watching the trailers for the second one. Maybe this is just a couple years of just me being battered by flashy lights and pretty people and all that, but mm-hmm. that's really all I saw. Mm-hmm. Flashy lights and ridiculously pretty people. Also, it might be that I've been watching the original Star Trek series, and there's a certain just qualities, like weird masculine qualities about William Shatner that are nowhere near apparent in the pretty boy who's playing his character now, mm-hmm. which kind of bugged me, you know? like Understandable, yeah. He, he, because this guy to me is a sexy actor and he's not a starship captain as bizarre as his acting methods are you know William Shatner played a goddamn great starship captain yeah and i'm watching you know like trailers for this new film and i'm like well is it gonna look like star wars if, well, if he's if he's okay with casting this kind of person in this role like
4: I, again this goes back to the the lens flare on the lightsaber it's like i think i think jj has proven that he is a a good director that if you look at like say mission impossible 3 versus star trek yeah, there's similarities in like visual style, but they are different. Like they're, the the tone is different for each of them. Action scenes are going to feel different. I don't know. Like take that versus Super8. 8. Super8, 8, yeah, it has a little bit of lens flares, but I, they're all different if you try to compare them that way. But as far as like Star Trek is concerned, the benefit of the doubt that I give it is that it's still baby Kirk. Like he's not right. really Captain Kirk yet in the same way that Christian Bale at the end of Batman Begins Wasn't truly Batman until he fights the Joker. Like, you know, he didn't become the Dark Knight until the Dark Knight. Hopefully, the whole Star Trek Into Darkness thing is they're like, Jim, you're still acting like a damn kid. You know, you're not treating this serious enough. And then he fights an enemy that's dark and serious enough for him to realize, oh shit, I can't be Joyride and I gotta get my shit together and really be a captain.
1: Now, granted, none of that came through in any of the trailers or anything. But it, it remains to be seen, and I'm not naysaying until yeah. I see it, because I'm going to see it, and I really did love the first one. But this is a very different thing. With Star Trek, Abrams was offered the chance to reinvent everything, mm-hmm. absolutely everything, and Star Wars is absolutely not the case, and he's mm-hmm. stepping in this in big shoes, and I understand why he was reluctant initially, and I really hope that he you know, didn't just see a bunch of dollar signs and decide to cast his reluctance to the wind, because artistically, if he has that reluctance, he probably shouldn't have done it. Well, but then well, no one wanted to do it.
4: Yeah, well, th- and in his defense... He was not a big fan of Star Trek growing up, but he was a huge fan of Star Wars growing up. Right. So that might also play into some of the reluctance and, you know, and everything else. Because, I mean, a lot of people who have beef with the new Star Trek say that it's because it's, he changed too much. Well, he wasn't that familiar with the original Trek to begin with, and he wanted to do what he liked. So, therefore, he made a movie that he liked. And as with Star Wars, he's like, oh, I don't want to tread on that ground. Hopefully, from a fan point of view of, like, I don't want to destroy the thing that I love on accident. And, but, you know, of course, money talked as, as well, I'm sure. But i'm I'm just gonna give him the benefit
1: of the doubt until uh until i see something i don't like it's gonna I'm, be a long road <laughs> yeah yeah we should do a montage in uh 2015 just before the next movie comes out of all the things we've said about it yeah it's like <laughs> oh, i feel
4: good about it i'm feeling good i don't know man
1: some of the new photos got leaked i don't know there's
4: a lot of lens flares, and oh, i don't know man this, this, The is the wasn't as great as we hoped and now the third one's coming out and it was better than the second one Oh, what's going to happen, man? And then...
0: Whatever it's going to be, it's going to prove all of you wrong somehow.
1: <laughs> yeah, I don't, yeah, No doubt. So, a lot has happened since the last State of the Empire. In fact, one of the biggest things, we'll just jump right in, is that um, LucasArts was disassembled by Disney. Ugh. And uh, actually, it's been so long, Doug and I were talking over the show, I didn't realize we hadn't touched on it in a State of the Empire episode. Yeah, yet. yeah. We, we mentioned it briefly in our, uh, the episode where we interviewed Jeremy Soule. And uh, we just referenced it, 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 it. We didn't even really touch on it. It was more of a reference. It was like that it you're, happened. you're here, I'm here. This just happened. Yep. We have to say something. We
4: acknowledged that it happened, and then we didn't even get to go into it. But I mean, my reaction it was disappointment at first. I guess uh-huh. just that the news was LucasArts is shut down. Everybody's fired. And my first reaction was, oh man, this is sad for everyone who worked there, who was getting to work on the new Battlefront 1313. You know, it's sad that all those games are gone. But it was even more sad that all these people are out of work now and. LucasArts as a brand, having its own identity is kind of gone now, but then
1: not long after that, they announced that EA was basically going to pick it up. That was uh, really recently. It was within a week or so Get from when way. this episode comes out. Uh, Disney has given EA a multi-year deal to be the exclusive provider of games based on Star Wars. Hmm. A Nerdy Show fan, Jerry Appel, wrote in and said to us, this is big enough, you guys probably already know this, and because you guys are awesome, probably have more insight on this, but there's a further disturbance in the force. I don't know if this is good or bad. EA has become the chosen one to bring balance to the LucasArts game franchise. Destroyer or savior, nobody knows.
4: Now wait, Disney gave the rights to EA to make Star Wars games or LucasArts games? Star Wars games. So there's nothing on the front of Indiana Jones or... No. no. I just I just had another thought. What about the Star Wars Lego and Indiana Jones Lego?
1: I don't know who releases the Lego games, but I think unless it is EA we can assume that those are going to stop right now. Dang. Those were really good, though. They're critically acclaimed. And they would—they had
4: the LucasArts logo on them, so I don't know how much LucasArts actually was involved or if LEGO had probably,
1: their own thing. Probably very little, I oh. would assume. There's a certain LEGO flavor that, right, you know, no matter, right, no matter what franchise they're working with.
5: And, and LEGO's really gone full steam into that... Uh lego grand theft auto style game they're doing
1: yeah whatever that it's like lego town or something mm. i can't even city. remember what city yeah yeah a little bit more detail on the ea deal their in-house design teams dice who do battlefield and visceral who do dead space will work on star wars titles in addition to of course bioware who are currently doing the old republic
5: but they also put a date on like don't expect it anytime before late 2014
1: yeah, the earliest anything could conceivably happen is april next year hmm. mm-hmm Also, uh, this is something that hasn't been harped on too much. Disney will retain certain rights to develop new titles within the mobile, social, tablet, and online game categories. Hmm. So, for example, Disney Infinity, the uh, multiverse Disney MMO sort of thing, I think that might actually fall under that ruling, if they wanted it. What's the last uh, good... They want it. (laughs) (laughs) What's what's the last good Disney interactive. Interactive game that they made? I don't really play much of them, but my experience with Disney Interactive is that oftentimes... They're pretty quality games. Epic Mickey and Epic Mickey 2. Epic Mickey were produced not directly by Disney Interactive. They were done by um, Warren Spector. He's the, the guy behind it. But basically, it's a separate studio. Mm. Did you, by any chance, get
4: to uh, read any of the domain names that are registered by EA? <laughs> I did. I, uh, well, because I, I have a list of them. I, I think I believe it was actually um, Lucasfilm that registered these crazy-ass names. Right. But yeah, go for it, man. The funny thing is, this is an article I read in Forbes. So, like, this, this is apparently, according to the Forbes website, uh, LucasArts has registered several domain names. A few of them are, as follows, Star Wars Alliance, Star Wars Rebels, Star Wars Wolfpack yeah. <laughs> Wolfpack yes. wolfpackadventures.net yep. <laughs> the other ones are .com mm-hmm. <laughs> Order 67 Boffin Spies Gungan Frontier 2 Gungan Frontier 3 <laughs> Gungan Frontier 4 and that, that's where it goes off the deep end and that, that's
5: where I got a little lightheaded <laughs>
4: <laughs> and Wookiee Hunters <laughs> And I, I feel like someone was just like, let's see how many Gungan Frontiers we just get away with before they freak out. Like, Because no. it costs 10 cents to register, so why not? Like, just...
0: Now, Wookiee hunters—would that be hunters of Wookiees, or I, that
1: your guess is as good as ours? Wow, Trandoshans, I would suspect, or Mandalorian Wookiee hunters. Those Gungan frontiers. <laughs> um, Gungan frontier is a 1999 game, Star Wars Episode One: The Gungan Frontier. That was RTS, right? Just real-time I, strategy. I have no clue. From what from what I read, it was a real-time strategy, and apparently, the, from people who played
4: it, it was supposedly a decent real-time strategy. Huh. The article that I read, they just said it, it took place after Episode One when uh, the Gungans were going to populate the moon of Naboo, like Naboo has a moon uh-huh. and the Gungans were going to go up into space and just start taking over that moon. Sure. And, yeah.
5: <laughs> and they, they actually, they actually uh, utilize that somewhat in the Expanded Universe. The comics, like that, that entire like moon colony gets completely wiped out yeah. by Durge and a whole
4: bunch of other... Asajj Ventress did something up there? Yeah. Yeah. Mm-hmm. Like she, like, and that was... And, well, the article I read tried to make a reference to that saying, if they make Gungan Frontier 2... Is it like they'll import your save data from 1999 of all the progress you did and then you start number two and it's an opening cinematic of Asajj Ventress destroying everything you've done and then you've got to go back to Naboo and like reclaim the moon. And I'm like, they made it sound like, hey, maybe I'd play that even though it's Gungans and it's just a bunch of click here, click, move over there. Where's the going?
1: And then. Fog of War. I don't know, uh, but uh, uh,
4: apparently the game wasn't that bad.
1: The Wolf Pack thing may refer to a clone trooper squad from the Clone Wars TV series. It's not a Hangover remake with Star Wars characters.
4: <laughs> I suppose it could be.
5: <laughs> they go to, to Moss Eisley for the fourth bachelor party
4: <laughs> for, from the from the two D animated Clone Wars. Is that like the badass group that went in and uh, I, I don't. Is that t- from the two D animated Clone Wars? There w- well, there was a group in the two D animated Clone Wars that I don't. I never heard them mentioned by name. But it was just, I don't even think they had names. They were just always going in silently, like painted uh, red and blue. And one guy had a shoulder mounted quad cannon on his chest and he ran around and the commander was like a dual pistol wielding badass. They fought on Coruscant when they were kidnapping Chancellor Palpatine. Mm-hmm. I don't remember if they had a name, and if it was, it was never. I don't think it was ever mentioned in the show because Tartakovsky's soldiers didn't like to talk that much, which is pretty cool.
5: <laughs> I don't remember if that was Wolfpack. I know that Wolfpack's been on the 3D animated show. I actually didn't even put the connection together that that could be what the game's based on which i would be shocked if they did a game based on a series that they just canceled but.
4: yeah because well, were these domains registered before lucasarts was dissolved or is this a since? like since i think wasn't it since ea got the rights they're
1: the ones who did this, this, this is this is was reported very recently right right we need to step back here we've gotten in pretty deep already <laughs> Let, i didn't expect it to happen <laughs> so soon let's still step back a bit so we got uh this new details with ea mm-hmm. and uh we got a little hints to what to expect in the realm of star Wars episode 7, and even a rumor about a possible television series that could be replacing Clone Wars. The state of the Empire right now is that things are changing mm-hmm. and you know last episode we we felt some disturbances in the force and we continue to have whereas we were initially like really enthusiastic and everything was the best suddenly um, it went dark yeah it, yeah it got dark and now it's a mixed bag and we're sort of sifting through all of these uh speculations and actualities and realizations and so on i'm pretty sure disney feels the same way that they got a mixed bag <laughs> and that they're digging through it trying to find but what they like the thing that's hurting us the most right now is that things that we were expecting or excited for and become accustomed to are getting pushed to the side Star Wars yeah. thirteen thirteen canceled. It was going to be a first in so many ways for the video game industry. Combining all the different facets of Lucas Arts, Industrial Light and Magic, Lucasfilm, uh, Skywalker Sound, they were all coming together to create one amazing thing. And now that's it was
4: like a shining beacon of a lighthouse in a shitstorm of like everything that was going crazy.
1: Yeah, but now it's like no, not happening. And oh. And lots of good people out of work from this. And I, like we mentioned in the previous episode, the, uh, the Jeremy Soule episode, I mm-hmm. look forward to whatever these guys probably band together and do yeah, in the wake yeah. of this, but it's a little too soon to tell. What it looks like overall, if we're looking at all the pieces on the board, Disney's consolidating and they know that these new films are in the future. Stop focusing on the past that everybody's you know, split down the middle over mm-hmm. about Clone Wars and, and the prequels and that whole era of things that mostly suck. um so no more cartoon show for young adult audiences based on that time period even though it's completely unresolved and there's lots of fans waiting on that Hmm. no more star wars detours maybe because it's a a lighter side of star wars and we're trying to get a little serious now Mm -hmm. and it also deals with everything and yet they've registered gungan frontier (laughs)
6: uh,
4: gungan frontier jar jar's great adventure
1: But you you were mentioning the show, this thing that got leaked once uh, Lucas... Right, a, a rumored, a completely unsubstantiated thing, a mm-hmm. uh, television series, an animated television series called Star Wars Reclamation. The idea is it's an animated series to act as an episode seven prequel. Mm. And there's a lot of elements to what's been leaked about it that suggest that it sort of compiles a lot of the things we've been anticipating, like uh, from the Star Wars universe in general, like 1313 uh, and other aspects. So what happened here is there was a posting made on the IMDb comments page for the Clone Wars animated series. Talk about a wretched hive of scum and veal.
6: <laughs> <laughs> IMDb forums.
1: <laughs> it, it was a thread about the series had Dave Filoni being involved in something new that was Star Wars related. The poster was allegedly a laid off Lucasfilm employee, and he posted several pages of plot synopsis for the show, Star Wars Reclamation. Uh, he says, quote, the show got the green light in January, but stopped everything when the layoffs hit. I could probably get in trouble, but oh wait, I don't work there anymore. <laughs> Who knows if this is the same project though, everything was dicey. We'll have a link on this episode's page where you can actually see the documents he posted, they're over at TheForce.net. The papers say that the series is set 15 years after the end of Return of the Jedi, sporting a cast of characters both old and new, and it would help set the stage for the themes and plot of episode 7. Allegedly, the series was actually in development as early as 2012. Like said in that quote, it got the green light officially in January after the sale. Hmm. So, but then everybody was fired, or then most everybody was fired. If it's real, most of these things make sense except for the timetables and the people getting fired and all that. But, you know, why stay in the past with Clone Wars when you could be moving into the future? Mm -hmm. So, it's a good move. According to the papers, Reclamation is a character-driven war epic set in the storied Star Wars universe. Making use of decades of media as influence, it will be an all-new story designed to introduce the audience to themes and characters pivotal to Episode 7 and beyond. Drawing from the talent and workflow structure employed in the creation of the Clone Wars animated series, our goal with Reclamation is to create a show with similarly wide appeal in terms of viewership and marketing possibilities. Besides again targeting children and young adults, we believe we can also appeal to the 18-49 demographic by focusing on the original trilogy-era characters and imagery. So they're making a primetime Star Wars animated series, if this is real. The word choice sounded, (laughs) yeah, the, the,
4: the word choice sounded legit. Like, after reading through it, it seemed like either someone went through a hell of a lot of work to make a very convincing hoax... Or this is just one of the things that they had in a drawer at Lucasfilm, and who knows what the actual current status of it is.
1: Right. It very well could be real, Mm -hmm. but real as in going to happen? Yeah, that's the the big question. Yeah, yeah, yeah. yeah. So, uh, the storyline. 15 years have passed since Return of the Jedi and the death of Anakin Skywalker. The Galactic Empire has been beheaded for over a decade, but a state of civil war continues. The Union of Imperial Loyalists, a loose alliance of systems loyal to the Empire's cause, refuse to cease hostilities until Coruscant is surrendered and abandoned. Our story begins at a turning point in the struggle. Supreme Chancellor Mon Mothma and Vice Chair Leah Organa are due to meet Grand Moff Ono in the first round of long-awaited peace talks. Everyone in the room, Republic, Union, and Jedi alike, And Matt, I really need your clarification on this. Apparently, there is a Jedi monastery that somehow escaped the the Emperor.
5: That's something that I'm not quite familiar with. I think that was just kind of, you know, there's always things that kind of slip underneath the the Empire's radar in the Expanded Universe, but that's something that I'm not familiar with. I think that might just be something for the sake of
1: this document.
4: Out of that entire thing that I read, that was really the
1: only thing I I was like... That was the red flag for me. I just thought maybe it was some poorly conceptualized expanded universe stuff, but it's... A Jedi monastery existed when Vader was the only Jedi around, somehow. And they didn't find it. Yeah. When the Empire spanned
4: the galaxy from one side to the other, you had Vader and Palpatine working together to hunt down and find every last Jedi, and not only did they not find a whole monastery full of Jedi... But they also didn't find Obi-Wan Kenobi on Anakin Skywalker's home planet. That's a little too far.
0: Well, it is a whole galaxy. So, I mean, there is a chance that they might yeah, not find them. I mean, there's always yeah, a chance. It's,
4: it's being the voice of reason, there's a
5: chance. <laughs>
0: I trying to see this from like a very... Scientific well, point of view.
4: Over the course
5: of, of Expand the Universe material, it always kind of been a thing where people had cropped up. Like there was a Jedi they used in Force Unleashed, General, whatever his name was, that trained the apprentice. At some point, they kind of retcon that into the idea that Palpatine told Vader after a few years to kind of like chill on killing every last one of them. Like they're no longer a threat. Don't worry about it. Like they're literally not powerful anymore. Mm-hmm. So, like, that's just, it's easy to kind of, you know, use that sort of excuse. But as far as the idea for the show itself, I think it's a little. Convenient that the wording in that document contained that, like drawing on years of you know hundreds of uh, story influences mm-hmm. throughout the years. I imagine they're referring to the, like span universe material. That's kind of the same wording that Kathleen Kennedy used when they first did the sale. Like she actually said that in one of those videos uh, that she did with Lucas. Oh, yeah, that's yeah, yeah. true. And, and to me, that sounds convenient. It's mm. like, why would that appear in this document? That to me sounds like the whole thing might be. That's just like kind another. Of a, that's like another red flag
1: yeah you'd make a good gumshoe
0: matt on imdb i mean you have uh, not just with star wars but pretty much any franchise you have people like that popping up quite a bit saying you know oh listen i used to work on this uh show or um series of movies and i'm not working there anymore so now i can leak things to you guys And there are so many trolls on IMDb at this moment. It's just, I mean... The the
1: thing that makes it a little bit more noteworthy is the the lengths to which this person went. Yeah. Um, Yeah. With, like, mini character bios. Like, like, scanning them and even like the scripts have personal notes written on them that have been smudged out, in Photoshop. Yeah. like you can be like oh someone wrote a note on there and then they, mm-hmm. they, for confidentiality it was smudged out right. and Like and it's like well jesus okay that looks pretty authentic <laughs> <It's> like, <laughs> yeah.
0: but, but, i mean I, I didn't say that in this case it was the yeah. case i'm no, just no, saying you know
1: I, this is a star Wars speculation podcast right. we're all we're all skeptics here <laughs> well, and,
4: and to, well you know what to harken back on I'm something even when i see it to harken back on something i told you uh a few months ago when we were gearing up to do another star wars podcast was years and years back like literally like 12 years ago i read a supposed leaked script for the fourth indiana jones movie and it was a complete hoax like it was just it, it was not real whatsoever but it was a complete script it was like 120 pages that someone out there wrote and it was in the correct format and everything it looked totally real totally not real whatsoever right so <laughs>
0: Elements of it that ended up being in Indiana Jones four, or was it just all completely different? The only thing
4: that ended up being in the in the fourth Indiana Jones movie was that there was a wedding at the end, but it was to a new character. And Marion and Willie were in the audience clapping for Indy when he walks off with his new bride. It was terrible. It was I mean, it was so
1: so terrible. That's worse than the actual wedding scene.
4: (laughs) (laughs) But it was but other than the wedding, that I think that's the only thing in common that I remember reading because it was about him going after the sword of Excalibur. It was dumb. It just didn't matter.
1: I guess briefly we'll touch on the rest of this alleged show. What happens is all of a sudden this legions of black droids come out of the depths of Coruscant and they just kill indiscriminately and they upset this massive peace talk and all of a sudden everybody has this common enemy that's some kind of thing from the buried past. Mm -hmm. Uh, So the Republic... Oh, I hope they're separatist battle droids with their sassy voices and uh, (laughs) their
5: ineptitude. Oh, I just love it.
1: <laughs> Republic and Loyalist worlds are forced to unite to repel the unforeseen threat concealed beneath their very feet. The self-replicating machines lead heroes on both sides on a journey into the underworld where technology and the Force itself collide to uncover a mystery almost as old as the Republic itself—the dark legacy of Level Thirteen Thirteen. That so. sounds like a great video game, as opposed to like a TV <laughs> no, show. It, it almost was. <laughs> <I know. laughs> and then there's new characters involved in this: is Kala Calrissian, a previously unknown relative of Lando. Monko, a mysterious Mandalorian who has a bionic arm that's both a blade and a blaster, Skybon Terry, who's Leia's personal guard, and a Jedi from this hidden monastery that I mentioned, and the villain is Rathzel Quill. He's a dynamic villain. He has, he's very sympathetic. He's a Chiss, like Admiral Thrawn from uh, Timothy Zahn's Thrawn trilogy, and a former Imperial general dishonorably discharged prior to the Emperor's death due to his unwillingness to commit war atrocities. Hmm. That's Star Wars reclamation. It's, uh intriguing but you guys have shown some light on some definite holes yeah that's in yeah situation. so
4: other than the whole jedi monastery thing bugging me the the only other thing was like the tiniest little nitpick was the names of some of these characters were just kind yep. of it looks like someone just went into the star wars name generator and just cranked out and whatever came out first they just put on those things like those names don't really sound that cool and
5: or the, the first name sky when you already have skywalkers
4: yeah like, you yeah you couldn't go anywhere else and like oh you have a bad guy who's like the bounty hunter thing he's called the shade it's like the what? That's like
0: that's almost a little bit too obvious, even for a Lucas franchise. <laughs>
4: that's like naming <laughs> naming a character after the
1: archetype of which they are playing. Like I don't know, it was a little too. The, the description for the shade was actually it seemed like it was a, a placeholder because it was something that was going to be revealed later on. Right. It was like maybe even as a character we recognize. I don't know. It was it was basically a mysterious figure that um, is somewhere early in this plot. Mm-hmm. The shade is only what people call him. Like what were they called in Smallville? They had a I I don't want to talk about that. (laughs) a a similarly dumb name for superman (laughs) i think it was the blur or something oh man we're gonna tell some awesome people how awesome they are nerdy shows listener supported you make us happen it's all on you you support the show you help us meet our minimum monthly cost and maybe a little bit beyond that and uh we keep bringing awesome to you and state of the empire other nerdy show programming or any of the other myriad programs we got on the show right now some fine folks gave us some love and so we got to say thanks to them mauron said a week of the month and no support yet unacceptable let's get the ball rolling oh Good. kevin weiss said i want to get my contribution in early this month my wife is due to eject a new human grub larva around the 20th and my contributions afterward may slow or cease
0: for a while
1: ah uh, yes
0: <laughs> congratulations
1: <laughs> <laughs> yes congratulations on the new grub larva um and we we understand and thank you <laughs> hoodoo voodoo sent us some money and said that'll buy somebody a beer better in your hands than in mine in light of all the drink worthy events going on hope may treats you guys better cheers oh
5: cheers
1: <laughs> thanks so much guys and of course If you send us money, we send you some perks in the mail. And every successive $100 that we make, if you're the person who puts us over the mark, we record a nerdy show microsode. We're building up quite the cache of microsodes. Yeah. We've got many we've recorded. And uh, as for how they're going to be released, we'll get to that in time. For other cool nerdy stuff going on, we just recently launched a nerdy show wiki, courtesy of Doug, something we've been wanting to do for a while and just had never gotten around to.
4: All I did was say, I clicked the button that said, start a wiki. And it said, "What do you want to call it?" And I said, "Nerdy Show Wiki," and that was pretty much all I did. And that, but, but, but I'm glad it got the ball rolling.
1: Yeah.
3: <laughs>
1: so you know, we've got a lot of uh, storied history on Nerdy Show, and a lot of different kinds of programs, a lot of history. And uh, when it comes to things like Ghostbusters, Pokeballs, Dungeons and Doritos, a lot of history and characters and everything else. That's um well. It's about high time. We had something to keep it all organized. So if you are a devoted listener who's listened to the show more times than we have, which is likely, (laughs) feel free to fill that sucker up. (laughs) We'll have a link to it on this episode's page. And in fact, there's a link for it at the top of all the Nerdy Show pages now uh anyway guys we're gonna cut to a track right now when we get back we're gonna talk about some more
3: fascinating
1: star wars (laughs) things (laughs) um what we got right now is um han shot first by professor shy guy it's from a recent album of his called unplug please check connection
6: a time in a man's life he come across one of the world's greatest treasures a
2: dashing run.
6: Mr. of Avengers, bring balance to the odds that we have stacked against us. I'm not up for stomaching another council summit scene. I'm bored. I'm so bored. We A scoot and states and Guido shoot first. But a hand shot first. Han shot first. It's too simple fact. Your neck is fat And Hunt shot First Hunt shot First Hunt First There's two simple facts Your
3: Let's
1: switch gears a little bit to some other stuff that's been said and some weird rumors in the whole Star Wars-verse. Disney CEO Bob Iger recently said, in addition to the Star Wars feature films, we're also working on opportunities for television and our parks. It's still very early in the process. We'll announce details as these developments evolve. Does so, that
5: mean I'm getting, that we're getting Agents of S.H.I.E.L.D. crossover with Star Wars? <laughs>
1: <laughs> the Patton Oswald version of Star Wars? <laughs> He does mention opportunities for television, which is the first time we've heard anybody in a position of power actually mention Star Wars having a life on television officially since all these weird cancellations and firings and everything. So that was interesting. And then also, you know, the possibility of something more substantial Star Wars related happening at a Disney park other than the tiny little corner of the world that it occupies at Hollywood Studios. Wolfpack
4: the series.
1: Well, I mean, uh,
4: as far as like the theme park things goes, uh, Nina and I actually went to magic kingdom recently and while we were there, they had like construction stuff up for like fantasy land for like, they're making like a seven dwarves ride and everything. Mm. But they had uh, all these little quotes from Walt Disney on like, you know, every third or fifth, like board that was up. They had like these quotes of like imagination is the key to you know whatever like you know just inspirational (laughs) stuff but one of the ones that caught my eye which really doesn't mean anything it's just a quote from from walt it's him talking about disney world something along the lines of we have so much land and so much space out here that we'll never have to fear running out of ideas
0: which is my thoughts exactly whenever I look at one of those little maps that they hand out. It's yeah. like, there's so much space beyond, the, you know, what you already have. I mean, they can just go And on what they did with, with
4: Fantasyland, like, like Fantasyland land goes hand. a little bit deeper out into the woods. You know, like it, Fantasyland was just like a small, it, you know, it still is kind of a, technically it's a small area. The park's a small area. If you it's think a about small
1: it. world after all. <laughs> but
4: <laughs> the, new, the new Fantasyland, they reached out a little further to the back of the park because there's nothing but woods back there. And it feels a lot bigger. Like there, just it feels like there's a lot more stuff going on. So while I prefer a whole new theme park, you know, for for Star Wars, it doesn't seem out of the question if they expand it mm-hmm. and give it like a little Star Wars. If area. they could
1: just not do the Avatar park at Animal Kingdom. Well, apparently, is, apparently that's not happening anymore. No, it is happening. Wait, wait. What? So it's back on. Yes, it's back on.
0: Well, is it? Is that Avatar or is it?
1: It's not the Airbender. It's the James Cameron movie. Uh,
0: no, I know that. But, oh. um, but no, I, what I what I meant was there were also plans to include fancy creatures oh, as yes. dragons and unicorns in the park instead of doing the avatar thing.
1: The original concept for Animal Kingdom was that there would be a part of the park dedicated to that well, the trash can logos and stuff. They yeah, yeah tr- trash cans, park benches, they have dragons and unicorns in the whole um, menagerie design, mm-hmm. uh, but they scrapped it at the last minute. In fact, Dueling Dragons at Islands of Adventure was a roller coaster built for that section of Animal Kingdom that Disney said, really? oh, not going to do it. And the roller coaster company was like, Universal, you're building a park. Would you like this? And they were like, We'll figure something Put out. in the
4: Lost Continent. <laughs> Fuck it. It's, like it's, it's, That's just... probably, it's probably
1: why Lost Continent was so big in its original incarnation.
4: Well, and just it's Lost Continent was like this weird hodgepodge of like, I mean, I like it. I, li- I liked it as The Lost Continent. It was cool, but it was mm-hmm. a strange one at the time when it opened where it's like, what is this really? Is this like... It was the strongest part I thought. Yeah, <laughs> I, like, yeah, I can see liked. that. It's just, but Jurassic Park was a theme. Marvel was a theme. Even Toon Lagoon, for all of its weirdness, was like a very strong theme, whereas Lost Continent is just uh fantasy so,
5: everywhere else was filled with licensed material and like there was literally nothing in lost continent i mean yeah. even like in the tune area you know they filled it with all kinds of different you know famous licensed cartoons but there were, i don't think there was a single licensed material
4: over in lost continent when it opened
1: the avatar thing it was off i think it's on again right now because the last uh, I heard unfortunately was, well, the
4: last i heard, I heard it was off again but that was a while ago
1: yeah i and it was off again for a while yeah and then all of a sudden i think there was a announcement about it i believe it's back on which is really unfortunate because it's just not it's just not good enough
0: and it doesn't fit in there let's just face it it just it just seems like completely out of place well and if you're disney
4: wouldn't it be better off to take out the avatar animals from animal kingdom and put in like star wars animals at this point
1: use more (laughs) stuff that you have and not there there was a there were action figures for every bullshit creature made on naboo yeah, so, I mean, just Wampas or uh, do, you th- do you think there's an Imagineer
4: looking at an elephant thinking that they could start,
5: like, gluing things to them to make a Bantha? <laughs> a Bantha, yeah, why not? I was I, like, it.
1: I guess we could probably organize something where we could lower and raise a Bantha costume on this elephant every <laughs> oh, half
0: hour. No, that
4: would be awesome. <laughs> okay, even if you didn't put a Bantha costume on an elephant, you could do a lot. You could do as much with Star Wars stuff in the Animal Kingdom as you could with Avatar. Like,
0: Animatronic you, Banthas, yeah. why not?
1: You could do a thousand-fold. What you could do with Star Wars from Avatar? Yeah, Ad-
5: admittedly, we don't know the scope of Avatar two and three yet. Which I know the park is probably going to have a lot to do with. Well, okay.
4: um, the rumor was that the second Avatar would be like uh, focus on the underwater, the seas of Pandora. I don't know how you are going to really incorporate that into the park unless you just have a fake aquarium where you just walk down a hallway with LED monitors and
1: just well, you see CG uh-huh. the, the, creatures. The human colonials are going to have this really really swanky pleasure barge, and it's going to hit a rock. <laughs> and then a silicone rock that's
4: in the the sea of acid Yeah, but then all the people
1: who drown they're saved by the magical aquatic navi oh boy and they plug their hair into the coral reef and talk to it (laughs) <laughs> full disclosure i've never seen the damn movie but i thought, right. I, I you thought they had, what you're talking about i thought they had sex with their hair that, this was they, this they, they everywhere they do, they, they,
5: they, they do a lot of different things it's just nerve endings
4: that is left ambiguous as to whether or not the tying the hair together actually was the act of sex itself or as an extension of just like hey we know what's up
0: <laughs> it's like let's braid things no, together well because well because in, in the okay, movie
4: they, like well they got they they have the the horses that they ride and you have to plug your hair into the horse so it can read your mind and know which way to run and uh-huh. the same goes for like the bird things that they ride you have to tackle the bird wrestle it down and then forcefully plug your hair into
1: the bird's hole <laughs>
4: <laughs> i'm not <I'm> making <laughs> it up man watch so the movie tell me i'm wrong levels. girl
1: you're looking fine you want to like plug each other's hair and say what's up yeah
4: no that's basically that's basically how it's portrayed and then uh whenever you plug your hair into a plant or an animal hole you're able to communicate with it
1: oh <laughs> uh, yeah okay
4: <laughs> i'm just telling you what was in the movie that's what happened
1: that's no. exactly what happened uh on april 17th harrison ford was on the jimmy kimmel show you guys all see that I didn't see the Jimmy Kimmel interview. No, it was great. It was really, really, <laughs> really great. They're talking about whatever stuff Harrison's promoting right now, and mm-hmm. then and then Star Wars comes up, and what unfolds is what would be whimsically described as a uh, an incident where Harrison Ford stormed off the set, but mm-hmm. was in fact a, a whole like stage yeah. they'd set up, and Harrison Ford played it to a t it's brilliant we'll, we'll link to where you can check it out on this episode's page because i've seen several other videos of harrison ford being asked about it recently because he was pr- doing promotion for 42 hmm.
4: the, the press junket things where he'll sit down for six hours at a time and then everyone comes in and asks a question there was one in particular that i really liked where this guy is just you can tell he's wanting to ask and he's just like and you know now that 42 is out and harrison's mm-hmm. <laughs> you know and uh you know and it's uh and then thing you know, that's upcoming is mm-hmm. you know like uh, there's it's been announced disney's bought star wars and immediately harrison ford just pantomimes picks up his hand and draws across his lip like he's zipping his lip shut and he just sits there he's like is there anything you can tell us and harrison ford then just starts acting like he's silent his (laughs) lips do not move but he starts moving his hands like help me my lips are zipped shut i don't know what to say i can't say anything because my lips are zipped shut and he's like so you're not going to say anything about it and harrison again just like "Mm -hmm, mm -hmm." doesn't even make (laughs) doesn't even make the mm -mm noises just sits there like like he like he's helpless and then he goes i can see you really don't want to talk about so we'll move on and then he just unzips his lips and just sits back like nothing's happened it's like he's handled it very very cool and in a lot of ways and then he was on like david letterman or whatever and D. Letterman just hey so star wars and he's like what about him you know i was in him <laughs> and he just says yeah well is there any, you know they they're making new ones aren't they aren't they making new ones and he's like well they they made six of them <laughs> and i'm in three of them <laughs> they didn't invite me back for the other three so imagine how i feel and like that was all he said like it was just he just dances
1: around it in an awesome way he's <laughs> brilliant yeah That's no he's brilliant. So really, yeah, yeah. <laughs> and now it's the time you've been waiting for willow watch oh shit <laughs> I don't know what, what's the news. Well, a thing happened.
4: Wait, okay, okay go ahead, because I'll shut up, so go ahead. A thing? A,
1: a thing did actually happen. I thought maybe we wouldn't have any Willow Watch news. We're really starting to dig now. The, the, <laughs> the, the, Willow's, Willow's come out on Blu-ray, you know, mm-hmm. how much more can we hope for, right? hmm Well, um, back in February, Val Kilmer had a mysterious tweet that we were all unaware of. It was a picture of some kind of a, a laminated card that said, Warwick Davis and Val Kilmer... The Next Great Adventure, Willow 2, yeah. The Magic huh? is Back.
4: Yeah, I saw I saw that
1: picture, in, yeah. And uh, I mean, obviously it, it couldn't conceivably be real. Right. Um, but in March we found out what it was. It was a special for Life's Too Short. Life's Too Short is uh, Work Davis's show that he does with Ricky Gervais. It was a very, very special special because Val Kilmer was on it mm-hmm. um, as himself, of course. And In fact, there's a clip that's been circulating everywhere where he comes into the office as Batman. <laughs> I saw it, yeah. Um, we'll link to it on this episode's page, but unfortunately, clips of things that are pertaining to Willow 2, they're not up. But here's a synopsis for the episode, and it sounds like it does actually center around Willow 2, at least to some degree. Things are looking up for Warwick when he is approached by Hollywood star Val Kilmer to film a sequel to the 1988 <laughs> fantasy film Willow. Aww. However, he needs to help finance the movie himself, and he's got <laughs> other things on his plate, such as balancing the interests of his clients at Dwarves for Hire and managing a touring cabaret show starring Keith Chegwin, Les Dennis, and Sean Williamson. So I don't know how much is going on there, but there is a trailer for the show where Val Kilmer says the words, like, we need to make Willow 2. And I'm like, yes, Val, yes, we do need to make Willow (laughs) 2.
4: So for a moment there, yeah, I guess the level rose, the alert alert level rose up, and it was... If it's really just for that show, does it? Does
5: it... But the, the key players are, are talking about it. They know that it's an idea. Maybe someone at Disney hears it. They go, oh, that's kind of funny. Wait a minute. Maybe we can make some money. Well,
4: because it's like, it's like, do you want to count that as official banter, even though it was done in a fictional setting? It's but it's like, well, it's just, oh, well, if it, the name's being tossed around, then I guess that still counts,
1: but I don't know. I mean, people are talking about it at least, and some of those yeah. people. And, are the and stars who knows?
5: Maybe, maybe Val and, and uh, Warwick kind of joked about it, you know, off camera. You know, they're like, "Huh? Wouldn't that be funny?"
1: Yeah, wouldn't and, it? <laughs> and he, here's where things get a little bit more exciting. In March, also Warwick Davis had an interview with Phone where he talked about willow they asked him how far have conversations gone in terms of expanding the universe beyond that initial movie oh shit we got we got some friends over at movie phone apparently we got to make some connections Uh with whoever that is because whoever conducted this interview is obviously someone who needs like an official willow watch tell
4: them they're not alone man
1: (laughs) work said there have been conversations throughout the years hopefully some of them joking ones I had a conversation with Ron and George and said, you know, people would love a sequel to the movie. George said, yeah, we thought about it, but if we did, we'd have to recast you because you're too old. What? (laughs) And that's where the conversation ended. I think he was joking. I don't look that different. Ron and I were together a couple weeks ago and we look the same, which of course is not even (laughs) true. (laughs) This is him talking still. It would be fun to see if Willow is going to become a better sorcerer. Is he the apprentice? What's happened to him? Has Ben Martin calmed down a bit, or is he still this crazy character? Has Lord Danden become the queen who would rule over the land? The recent success of fantasy TV series has been phenomenal. Willow could easily sit in that category quite nicely. Hmm, says, I agree. Says Warwick Davis. He's like Bruce Willis with Die Hard. He's like the gatekeeper for everything uh,
4: Willow-related. He is Willow. He is the titular character. You can't recast him <laughs> this. No, no, that,
1: that must have been a joke. It would be a complete outcry.
4: Yeah, yeah. <laughs> Who's that good little guy from Game of Thrones? That's us get him to be Willow. It's like, oh, man, come on. I like Peter Dinklage, but he's not Willow. That's like recasting Indiana Jones. It's just
1: We don't need to do that, but he's a very popular actor. If they want ever so popular Peter Dinklage in the, in the movie, all they have to do is cast another Nolan. Yeah. I mean, come on.
4: <laughs> it's like, it was like, oh, we're doing another Willow movie, but we're not casting any other little people. It's like, what? what? You're going to take that from everyone? Like, it's, it, didn't, didn't we say last time that that was the movie that other than Wizard of Oz had the most little people in it? Like, yep, true
1: fact. Now As far as official Willowy stuff, that's, that's the end of it. But we do have one more thing. This comes from a Nerdy Show fan, uh, David Michalik, and uh, he says, Guys, for the love of Uffgood, do not <laughs> under any circumstances attempt to read any of the Lucas Claremont Shadow series. It mm. has nothing to do with Willow, and it's really, really, really awful. I spent several months collecting them all so I could read the whole series straight through. I was super psyched. I barely managed to make it through the first book with bleeding eyes and hemorrhaging brain cells. After about two chapters of the second one, I threw in the towel. My brain literally, not figuratively, literally started refusing to process the words on the page. I never quit in the middle of a book, but I simply could not force myself to continue. They're terrible. Seriously, trust me. Save yourself the sand loss and don't give those jerks any money. Wow. Damn. Mm. He, said, he said it had nothing to do with Willow? Like, well, like the character Willow's not in the it? The character Willow is in it. I know the character Willow's in it. But, but just say it just has nothing to do... Or it's just like so bad in comparison to everything else. Like. I, I, don't, I don't know. Maybe he's like uh, a negligible force in the story somehow. I've heard similar warnings. None have been so adamant as this. Mm-hmm. Um, and, and Dave, I gotta say... I believe you, man. I believe you. <laughs> it's like, nah,
4: but, it doesn't sound convincing enough. But, I don't think he meant it.
1: <laughs> and, and I definitely don't have time to waste reading a bad book. Mm-hmm. But I am going to have to try to read these things. <laughs> you, you know this is Willow Watch, I right? Won't, I'll, I'll avoid it. <laughs> it's, it, is, it is the only thing, aside from the novelization of the film and the source book back from the mid-80s, that we have to latch onto that is official things that happen in willow continuity maybe i should just read the wikipedia page but i really i mean if we don't read this and we're willow watch who the fuck yeah. is gonna read it
4: well he already read the first book and two chapters of book two uh-huh how many books are there in total there's three three
0: Maybe he can give you the cliff now.
4: Or uh, in lieu of donating on the monthly support drive, if he just takes the bullet for you and finishes it <laughs> and then just tells you what it is, just I'm like
0: verbally. Sub- give him money to
4: <laughs> I'm not subject a subjective fan of that. That's evil. That's,
0: that's, well, just, I don't
4: know what else to do.
1: He's already knee deep into it. I don't know. No, like, no, they give us the money. We're the monkeys who dance, Doug. That's, that's how it works. Well,
4: yeah, if, if yeah, if they're giving us the money, I guess it is our job to read it, even if it is terrible.
1: Anyway, I don't have the books yet, but it's something I'm going to have to do. And, and I know I'm not going to give anybody any money. Not that I think you could probably buy it in any way that would actually monetarily compensate the authors anymore. Um, well, how how about but I get him, I get all my books used. We, we so. could have
4: him send us the books because he spent so much time, you know. <laughs> sure, he doesn't want them them him, I'm, I'm pretty, pretty, sure, want I'm pretty them. sure he burnt them. Well, say if he did if he didn't already burn them, he can send them to us, and then we can read them. Like you can read one, I'll read the second one. <laughs> Hex will read the third one, <laughs> and, and burn then we'll retell. And it's so so separated from everything. Then we'll have to record a special episode where you just because if Hex only reads the third one and I only read the second one, you read the first one. We'll have no idea how that shit connects. You can you can tell us in your own words what happened in the first one. Then I'll go, oh, now that makes sense, because this is what happens in the second one. And then Hex can sit there listening to both of us retell it. And then when it gets time for him to tell his version of events, hopefully we'll have a a better picture. And then we can either. That sounds
1: like a terrible idea. (laughs) That's
4: why I said it.
1: However, since we're not going to enjoy the experience anyway, we may as well do it. No, yeah, <laughs> that's...
4: and then if uh, then if he doesn't mind, we could either send them back or we could just do a, a video where we burn them ceremoniously. What's the curse? The Mortar curse, the uh, the the one that expels your soul from existence, basically. The, the ritual, uh, the thirteen candles. We'll, so and... just, we'll do the ritual with uh-huh. the thirteen candles uh, with the books once we're done with them. <laughs> <laughs> if they truly are that bad,
1: and thus concludes Willow Watch. <laughs> We got one more thing to talk about before we leave, and it's pretty awesome. Not too very long ago was May the 4th, and lots of cool Star Wars things happened, including something that coincides with the other event on May 4th, equally important, free comic book day. Mm -hmm. Dark Horse released a free comic book day issue that was both Star Wars, as in Brian Woods' comic entitled Star Wars that we've talked about on the show, uh, and the other half of it was Avatar The Last Airbender, an exclusive story for both of those comics. Mm. Um, The Star Wars thing was incredible it's a piece that happens shortly before the star wars series starts with brian wood and it stars both darth vader and boba fett and you think well you got a story with uh the two most like marketable badasses in the star wars universe together it's got to be shameless and stupid and whatever Mm -hmm. no no it was it was so good i feel it's it's the best short darth vader story i've ever read if you can find it go find this thing i mean it'll probably be collected when they collect the 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 series and they're on issue five now i think
4: because i I went to a comic shop they were out like they were (laughs) out of the brian wood star wars i tried to pick it up but they were out so it's good stuff man yeah oh it's
1: very good
5: stuff people should get up on it because i think i honestly believe it's gonna be the one thing expanded universe wise that makes it through the uh the disney purge when they move over to marvel like i really do i think it's gonna be the only thing that makes it through and Okay. Hey, it's a good chance for people to actually like start up with like a new expanded universe. That's kind of exciting. Right. Depressing too, but. <laughs> well,
4: because apparently like like what they said, whatever's coming down the pipeline for for Dark Horse now, this is like the last. So it's like yep. th- the series is going to keep going until they decide to cancel it, basically.
1: Yeah. So if you want to know about the grandchildren of like Luke Skywalker and whatnot, all that, that crazy stuff, you either enjoy it now or I don't know that Disney Marvel will be collecting and reprinting those anytime soon after the Dark Horse license expires. However,
5: right, right into the vault.
1: <laughs> <laughs> yeah, Jesus. But this Brian Wood book, its chances are really good of it being uh, continued over at Marvel without missing a beat. I really hope that's the case because it's it's fantastic, and I think it's well,
5: good. It, it, it has the direction that Disney's going in. You know, it's yeah. kind of like a, it harkens back to the original trilogy era. It doesn't, you know, rely too much on what you know Dark Horse and Del Rey have done over the last 20, 30 years, and it's doing its own thing. So I think it lasts.
1: By now, you can probably pre-order the first collection of the Brian Wood Star Wars stuff. Uh, and if so, we'll have a link on this episode's page. It is absolutely a must. Can I just
5: like, like a moment of silence for Lucas Arts?
1: Yes, yeah. absolutely.
5: It's, yeah. you know, at some point most nerds or even, you know, just casual gamers of around our age have some experience of like a really meaningful video game experience that has something to do with Lu- LucasArts, whether it was like Loom or Monkey Island or, you know, Super Star Wars or something, you mm-hmm. know, TIE Fighter. I mean, so many classics and it's just kind of, it's
1: sad, really. Yeah, let's, let's give them a, a moment of silence and then when we pick it up, we'll, we'll talk about LucasArts because I feel it's, it's a shame that we didn't record in a timely manner for, for that piece of news to actually adequately reflect on our thoughts mm-hmm. on the whole thing. It was because it was really upsetting. You said it, Matt, the, uh, the games that LucasArts produced in their heyday, if, uh, if you are of our age group, mm-hmm. there was something out there for you. you oh, know? yeah.
5: And, and that heyday did, I mean, it lasts longer than I think people remember. I mean, even, even creeping into the prequel eras, I mean, they definitely had some, you know, successful... I mean, the Rogue Squadron, I mean, you know, those those were you know outside companies, but, you know, still LucasArts that put all those together. So, I mean, definitely a a video game giant just kind of going by the wayside and not that it it wasn't undeserved. I mean, LucasArts, they definitely dropped the ball the last couple of years and, you know, it might be a good thing, but it's still worth remembering what they were.
1: Yeah, things have been pretty quiet as far as things that LucasArts developed themselves over the last 10 years, even there hasn't Mm -hmm. been a lot coming out. And if there has been, it hasn't been anything really of note which has been too bad because at a time they were the best. And maybe what we're lamenting the most is the loss of the name because the actual talent pool may not have been there, except that then at E3 last year, Matt, you and I saw that amazing presentation for 1313, and that was an in-house LucasArts project. A sure sign that maybe things hadn't actually worked out for quite some time, Mm -hmm. but they were coming back. Yeah
0: what was uh, officially the last project before 1313 that lucas arts authored by itself
5: it force unleashed two which i mean wasn't too many years ago but i mean before that i mean one of like lucidity was in 09 and then the only thing prior to that was republic commando in oh five
4: yeah I mean, like, exactly well, so everything else was done out of house from lucas yep
1: wow there's been a lot of licensing going on so in a, in a lot of ways this ea thing isn't much different except that you know there's a lot of things to, to question about it because ea decision is an odd decision for a couple reasons um obviously they have a connection there because of the old republic however okay. disney they wouldn't want to take risks on something as important as this they want to consolidate things for sure i mean obviously uh, that's why they closed down lucas arts but uh, it was also a little bit of risk that they closed down LucasArts because 1313 and trying to make all that work with Disney overseeing it as much as they would like to oversee it on a, on a project that involved multiple companies that they've only just recently acquired, they'd be like, I don't, I can't deal with that. But EA, Old Republic was a huge financial risk. It cost $300 million. And it didn't attract enough pay subscribers. So as of like November, they went free to play. Everything was so disastrous that their CEO, John Russell he's the guy who took that gamble. He resigned in March when EA warned that they could possibly miss their projected quarterly numbers because of the Old Republic thing.
4: No, wait, 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 wait. I just like today I read an article saying that since the Old Republic has gone free to play, it's actually come back. Like, the, yeah,
5: it's, it, it, it's actually a profitable game now.
1: Well, That's, that's good. the last thing I read maybe they saw it coming i guess i mean but seriously though the ceo who did all that resigned in march so take of that what you will i don't know well
4: back then maybe it wasn't looking so good like maybe because i know when they when they first made it free to play there was a lot of problems like a lot of people were like wait a minute it's you say it's free-to-play, but you still, you gotta buy this and this and this, and some of the features for, like, moving the uh, the windows around, like, you have to pay for that, but they apparently said, oh, wait, we made a mistake, now it really is free-to-play. So, like, there was a lot of problems when they first announced it that apparently have since been cleared up.
1: Yeah, I, I guess we can expect that from now on. EA is a master of a lot of problems that need to be cleaned up, whether it's, you know, little nitpicky things like bullshit they shouldn't have been charging for in Star Wars, mm. or the ending of Mass Effect. You know, things like that. I've come to terms with Mass Effect, though. Well, the ending's fine now. Yeah. <laughs> Which is why I've come to terms it, it, with it. It took about six months, but it's okay now.
4: <laughs> I do have two more little things. Sure. These are a little older, but I figured I would save these for rainy days. These, these have been, like, piling up way back after it was announced that they were going to do episode seven and they were going to try and get all of the original actors involved. Mm-hmm. Uh, Mark Hamill said, uh, I'm just going to read you the quote from Mark Hamill. George wanted to know whether we would be interested he did say that if we didn't want to do it, they would not cast another actor in our parts. They would just write us out.
1: That's cool. I didn't know that.
4: And then he goes on. He just says, well, I can tell you right away, we haven't signed any contracts. We're in the stage where they want us to go in and meet with them. But, you know, nothing's happening yet. But then, again, that's going way back. But apparently if George Lucas himself said that to him, that's pretty cool. I think like that was a pretty cool move. Mm-hmm. In other celebrity Star Wars related news, again, this is like the same week that they announced that Disney bought it. And I was trying to get collect quotes from everybody because at that point who knew who was going to be involved we literally knew nothing some interesting quotes there's one from ewan mcgregor when someone at cornered him and was just like hey hey we, we, would you would you come back as obi-wan if someone if they wanted you to come back as obi-wan and he goes yeah of course if they needed me yeah i'd be happy to the, though the reporter suggested that kenobi might come back as a ghost and mcgregor said oh or yeah maybe he comes back he says he goes i don't know anything he says he says i don't know anything else other than what i've read on the internet and then uh, but he did say that george did call him the night before it was announced, Weird. to tell him that uh, that Star Wars was being bought by Disney. And then he just said, he goes. And he says, I thought that was nice. And he said that if they want him to come back to reprise the role, considering that Alec Guinness is dead, but if Obi-Wan... <laughs> because if, right, if Obi-Wan has if to he, make an appearance... If, if you
1: got to do an Obi-Wan ghost, then there's one actor left who can do
4: it. Yeah, pretty mu- that's pretty much what he says. He says, I would do it. I could imagine that maybe he is just some hologram type appearance, because Alec Guinness is dead, so maybe you know that's that's really all I said nothing's been said otherwise Samuel L. Jackson had something okay. to say yeah yeah he said uh, uh when asked about the Disney thing he said I'm not surprised but I'm totally geeked by the idea of there being more Star Wars it's like okay Obi-Wan was dead when episode four started so maybe when everyone thinks I'm dead and we'll find out that what really happened to Mace Windu I can come back <laughs> as a one-armed or one-handed Jedi that's still around that didn't actually die <laughs> <laughs>
5: <laughs> what, what, what if what if they made him like the the Sith bad guy? He's, like, he's the so, shade. He's so upset that he got thrown out a
4: window. Oh man!
5: Just like, I Mace can actually Windu. totally
0: picture that. That'd be awesome. <laughs> yeah.
4: And one that was just for fun uh, is is totally a joke. But this was a real quote from him. I don't know why they asked him, but somebody asked Robert Pattinson how he felt about uh, Star Wars. <laughs>
6: uh-huh. And uh,
4: mm-hmm. the actual question was, would he play a part in Star Wars if asked? It was you know, hey, Star Wars is announced. Would you be in Star Wars if they asked you to? And he said, in Star Wars? Absolutely. In a heartbeat. I actually kind of like Jar Jar. I don't understand what the big deal is about Jar Jar. <laughs> now, of course, he was totally joking, but uh-huh. but uh, but yeah, that's, that's, that's the way it was back then. And um, the final note that I have is actually in regards to uh, Indiana Jones, a future oh. Indiana Jones movie. Okay. Because again, Frank Marshall said way back that it was on the back burner. They weren't going to focus on it. There really has been no developments about it. But Spielberg, apparently in an interview, said very explicitly... I will not make another Indiana Jones film unless it's based on George's story. Okay, so we will see if anything comes of that. So I I don't know. He didn't say George had to write the script. He didn't
1: say anything. All he said was it has to be based on George's story. You know, they're they're buddies. So I'm sure the will not is actually a will not. But I also kind of wonder how much it's a can not.
4: That really is a good question. All I know is that Rares of the Lost Ark was, was the story was by George Lucas screenplay written by Lawrence Kasdan. So,
1: and George, I'm not going to blacklist anything with George Lucas's name on it because even whatever his rough story for crystal skull could have been acceptable if someone else had just written it. But I mean, someone else did write it as far as the screenplay goes. Well,
4: Frank Darabont wrote a script for Indiana Jones four, but then George Lucas didn't like it. Yeah. And then said, no, take that for whatever that's worth. But George Lucas is not in charge of making those decisions for Lucasfilm anymore. And it's also a Paramount movie, so maybe he doesn't have that much power to, uh, power anymore for that. So it would actually be up to Kathleen Kennedy uh, whether or not she read a script and said, oh, this is good for another Indiana Jones movie. We approve. I don't know. Because Indiana Jones is kind of Lucasfilm, but mostly Paramount, who knows at this point?
1: Okay, well, <laughs> we'll see. I, I mean, when it comes to Indiana Jones after the last one, you know, I'm never going to get my hopes directed in any direction at all but
4: we said the same thing about star wars that's all i'm saying
1: yeah well uh, (laughs) at least i won't be disappointed (laughs) (laughs) so thank you so much for listening guys to uh to state of the empire we'll be back sometime soon when 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 more new stuff happens the news is coming faster and faster now so uh hopefully we'll get something really big soon it's both
4: faster and slower it's
1: faster but they're being a little vague yeah we know shooting doesn't start till 2014 and I'm sure there's a, actor confirmations are definitely going to start trickling in yeah, sooner yeah. than later. We're also getting all the, the things that aren't
4: happening. Like everything, well, we know this isn't happening. Let's talk about how that's not happening. <laughs> yeah, that stinks.
1: <laughs> <laughs> anyway, you'll hear from us soon. Bye, I'm Cap. Bye, I'm Doug. I'm Matt. I'm Nina. And what we got taking us out is a brand new track by Adam Warrock. It's called Thrawn. He says, I made a song about Grand Admiral Thrawn, a.k.a. rap name Mithra Naruto. <laughs> He's he's my favorite Star Wars universe character, so you know that's how much indie cred I got. I got in a conversation with somebody lately about Timothy Zahn's amazing *Heir to the Empire* trilogy of novels. So if you haven't read them yet, go read them. They're incredible. If you haven't read them, then this song may not make much sense. <laughs> Here's *Thrawn* by Adam Warlock. Hey,
2: Humanoid, you can stare into my red eyes. Cause when I speak I hold that tone calm and steady Sit on the throne and so I wait and bide my time But I keep the imperial forces there armed and ready Out in the regions unknown, out there patrolling the zone I watch the Death Star fall in the shadow of the sanctuary So when the Emperor fell, invaded Vader two, too Then I assumed the weight that I had to carry Genius, tactician, and strategist The baddest in the galaxy, no republic could handle this Studying the art of my enemies just to better understand So when they fall, I'm like yeah, ready read your plans not ride bodyguards katana dreadnoughts Float the perimeter of coruscant so better not try to pronounce my Chiss name get your tongue tied and if you speak ill to me i'll have your tongue right i'm grand admiral fraud serving up the empire with a plan that never fails so watch your tone when you speak you all got the force i got the forces so come and meet your defeat every track that i'm on i'm grand admiral fraud serving up I got the forces, so come and meet your defeats. Hey yo, whatever made the kettle running like one less parsec than the best could ever try. Lose your mind in the spice, mine. my words cut deep and my stare cuts deeper. deeper. Sitting there in Mount Tannis with my hands around the chest. Hey yo, forget Tylen Card, just smuggler trash. Lower class. Forget Sabah, he lost his mind. Mara J got no use for her I just used my sick tactics Got a noose for her With a Sparty cylinder and a team of mole miners I'm the new empire Way beyond those old timers So when you hear that imperial march Rest in peace Palpatine This for your honorary chart Every course across the star maps Crush the new republic Raise that black flag underneath the setting sun That's when Root cut me down at the throne where I sit Gotta admit It was really so artistically done I'm Grand Admiral Fraud serving of the Empire With a plan that never fails So watch your tone when you speak Y'all got the force, I got the forces So come and meet your defeat Every track that I'm on I'm Grand Admiral Fraud serving up the Empire With a plan that never fails So watch your tone when you speak Y'all got the force, I got the forces So come and meet your defeat
3: Thanks for listening to Nerdy Show mm. Nerdy Show is made possible by a comic shop Nerdapalooza The generous support of sexy listeners like you. As listener-supported entertainment, we rely on you to keep this and other shows on the Nerdy Show Network alive by telling a friend, rating and reviewing us on iTunes, making a contribution to our monthly support drive, or just making sweet, sweet love. Any extra-sized contribution... Gets you exclusive nerdy show audio and mm, images Uh. and lets you participate in our monthly support drives. Just go to nerdyshow.com slash support to chip in for more episodes of nerdy show, as well as other fine, fine programming, Uh community forums, videos, articles, and more head over to nerdyshow.com. You can subscribe to all Nerdy Show Network podcasts via the iTunes store. And for the latest news, follow us on all of your favorite sexy social networks.
2: Ever catch yourself eating the same flavorless dinner three days in a row? Dreaming of something better? Well, HelloFresh is your guilt-free dream come true, baby. It's me, Kiki Palmer.